0: Welcome back to the Three Pillar Podcast. Enjoying the potty? Leave us a rating and a review
1: over on Spotify.
0: Alright, crew, welcome back to the podcast, episode 20, and joined by special guest or guests. Yeah, we've got two guests today. T and Kiara. Welcome to the pod, Kiara. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, for those that don't know, Kiara is a member of ours. Um who that's not the reason that we got her on though? Well, maybe, <laughs> but lucky dip <laughs> 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 just she walked in and we'll uh, sit down. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time, but uh, Kiara actually, she's an exercise physiologist, um, and you run your own practice, um, specializing in women's health. Mm-hmm. So we thought, you know we've got quite a large female audience and you, we know that you're quite knowledgeable that when it comes to that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, I think we've got a lot of listeners who will appreciate what you have to say and probably learn a lot, a lot more from probably what we have to say. So yeah, I thought it would be good to have you on and just um, share your thoughts and opinions. So maybe first thought could maybe describe a little bit about what you actually do, and what it is, like what is exercise physiology? what you do specialize in and then uh, yeah we can go from there
1: sure so yes as you said I'm an exercise physiologist I work clinically Um, so a lot of the clients I see what we do is we're active therapists Um, the way we treat different conditions different musculoskeletal concerns different chronic diseases is more based around um, movement therapy um, and how we can integrate different lifestyle and um, just kind of common habits to help treat the mechanisms of different chronic diseases and concerns. Um, as you said, Josh, I specialize in women's health, meaning that I all of my clinical work is um, pelvic floor, PCOS, endometriosis, chronic pelvic pain, chronic pain, anything to do with female hormones. Um, that is basically, I don't see men at all. Um, and is that
0: just because... Females are easier to deal with.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's so just much saying. research on them. <laughs>
2: How much smarter does Kiara already sound yeah, than like, yeah. <laughs> <but laughs> <laughs> rocks up and he's like, uh, coffee van, like, yeah. dude, do, do this. You know, James is credit to that. Kiara's just spilling out all these terms. I'm like, yeah, yeah good. i already lost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess the, the biggest way that I like to describe my work to people is um, women are not little men. So the way we should be treated is, should be nothing to do with men. Mm. Um, a lot of the medicine and the research is based on the default 70 kilo white male and that doesn't work for females and that's what I'm trying to change. Yeah, do you know
2: point. if, I'm not too sure, like it's just a random thought, but when they do like testing on rats,
1: mm.
2: is it mostly male rats? Do you know this? Like I'm like, literally just coming up in my head mm. just then. No, that's
1: a good question. Yeah. Um, yes. And sometimes what they do to the rats is put them on hormones so they don't cycle. Yeah, mm. uh,
2: okay. Yeah.
3: So interesting that you say that because my brother used to work in a lab on rats. Oh, really? And it was mostly males. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So you know. There you go. Yeah. You can talk to him about that tomorrow. But that's a good point <laughs>
0: that obviously Kiara um, brought up is like, yeah, women, and females are different to men mm. and therefore – approach to not even just like rehab or whatever it is mm. like just i guess anything in general is going to be slightly different mm. um nutrition fitness like whatever it is there's there's going to be like different guidelines paths um so yeah that's that's super interesting but what made you like was that always the plan to go down that route like obviously you had to study first to exercise phys was it always like was the goal to work with females or did that sort of just naturally come about?
1: Yes, um, I always was interested in female health. Um, I guess, yeah, I never really saw myself doing anything else. Uh, and we weren't taught a lot in uni. Um, (laughs) So so true. yeah, (laughs) Um, it was kind of like, you know, anatomy and physiology. It was like, let's do the upper body, skip the pelvis and then do the lower body. And for me, that was kind of like, well why are we doing this and then that sparked my interest to actually address that part of the body and know more about it um again in my undergraduate we did not learn a lot so I went back and did my master's in women's health medicine which taught me a lot more um but yeah I really didn't see myself doing anything else and there was no other like there's no other clinic or i couldn't get any experience in hospitals or anything like that so i kind of just had to pave my own way through
2: you have very niche I'll give you that like yeah. it's such a niche service i remember when you first started coming t- like what years ago mm. to kinetic and you're trying to describe what you did for work and whatnot i was like i really don't know but yeah a lot of my you're family
1: right. still are like don't even yeah, really yeah. talking no, about I it because d- i have no d idea, idea. No. <laughs> it's definitely it's way
0: more uh common now though like mm. i'm personally just noticing more of these I guess common issues which you're seeing coming up with females and like things that they're dealing with like like Will said like five years ago like I, I don't know maybe it's just I wasn't aware like obviously people like you are more aware but like I just didn't hear as much about like endometriosis or you know like I didn't those issues didn't seem as common I'm not sure if like are they more common now like over the last few years or Mm -hmm. is it just maybe more of a lights being shown on it because like you said people like you are treating females specifically Mm. Mm. uh
1: yes so a lot of people have actually said that same comment um they are i think it's due to a few different things um there is a huge delay in diagnosis for a lot of conditions such as endometriosis and pcos uh the usually the general thing that they're finding is about seven years between someone's complaint and, a complaint and a diagnosis. They are, they have, over the last couple of years, thrown a little bit more funding into endo. Um, the government has. So that might have helped the diagnosis come a little earlier. Uh, but I think people, like you said, Josh, being more aware of it, talking about it on social media has brought it t- to the forefront of people's um, attention. I think um, that's probably the main thing i'd say
3: i think too like um especially in the last recent years it's not as much as a taboo subject anymore like you know going back years ago you know women women wouldn't talk about their period or you know they wouldn't talk about you know if they're going through hormonal things because it was never really a subject that it was comfortable to talk about so i think now that it's more prevalent and i guess even men are trying to educate themselves on it too like it's you know it makes it a lot more ooh, it's just more known sort yes of, more so yeah
0: yeah i um like we'll definitely get into all of those bits and bobs in a little bit more detail but i thought we just go back to the start how you sort of talked about you know what you do getting into x fears and like how you treat people with movement essentially um i just wanted to sort of touch on that a little bit as well just from more of a broad sense you know men and women in general because i think like one of the most um i guess like common things that I saw coming up in the fitness industry was people who would be told like you know if they're ever feeling sick or injured or whatever it is is to like rest and do nothing, whereas I think like you know there's that's changed a lot in the in the last few years, but like movement is medicine, and like even if you are injured or you know depending on what it is, but like you know sometimes actually stopping altogether is actually going to make things worse or doing nothing is going to make things worse so um is that like sort of what your sort of work entails to a degree is it to like you know moving properly and doing things well and that is actually beneficial
1: yes yeah so a lot of the old research and i'm speaking for from a lens of women's health is uh, specifically things like pregnancy, it used to be like don't move pretty much, don't get your heart rate up yeah. over a certain beats per minute um, and things like osteoporosis or you shouldn't you know, bend, um, back pain or don't ever tie your shoes again, like things like that. And yes, I do a lot of myth-busting. Yeah. A lot of people are told whether it's by practitioners that are older, so older GPs. Uh, older al- allied health professionals like, or you don't move, give it a rest for four weeks, don't go back to the gym, yeah, don't go back to your sport. Um, so, a lot of it is education and um, debunking fear mm. uh, because I feel like like you've said got to
2: have, though, quite a good knowledge base in order to debunk that fear mm. in the sense of, like, you know, if someone came to you and said about I feel like you're actually a really good example, like, you do walk the walk in the sense as well with your ACL. I feel like it's a good point. Like Kiara recently did what your ACL, well, you did it twice. did it, twice. Did it, twice. Did it twice? the fourth time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you did it, did it like you did it again though when you were practicing your wedding day. Yeah. And then, um, but like you're always in here and you're always doing exercises for it. Whether I think a lot of other people would just be told, like go in for the surgery, opt for the surgery, mm. recover, take some time, don't go on to it and whatnot so I think like definitely your way of doing it you look like you know what you're doing with it and it's kind of a proof in point like proofs in the pudding I suppose as well and the fact that like you have had that recovery and now your knee is a lot better Um, but I think from your point and just kind of giving you some merit there which is you've got the education behind you and like the knowledge to actually be able to say don't do that do this instead Mm. because I feel like it can be so taboo if you don't know what you're talking about and if you're like, oh, I saw it on a TikTok. like, oh, yeah. yeah you know? That's,
0: that's the problem. But like you said, I think, yeah, well, that's, that's probably where it is like in today's age is you've got all the old school stuff where so much of that research has been debunked or new information has come out um, purely because there just wasn't enough information back then. And then we're probably in the other spectrum now where there's like so much shit where yeah. like, You know people are putting out all this information which isn't entirely accurate or like maybe there is research but they're just putting out the you know first two sentences of the research article and not actually reading the whole paper and they discover that it was actually just a test done on male rats and not on humans you know what i mean so um yeah which is super interesting because i remember when i did my pregnancy course as well the same thing like they were saying like they're going through all the guidelines decade by decade and it was basically the same, like you were saying, like in the 60s, it's like, you know, don't do anything. As soon as you're pregnant, just do nothing. You know, you're probably going to kill the baby if you are like mm. get your heart rate up and whatever. And it's like then more and more research slowly started to come out. So you can see how people get stuck in that trap because that's what they've grown up knowing and being told. So I guess that's why we need sort of people like you to debunk those things. Yeah. For sure. Um, so we've got quite a few questions from the listeners. Um i guess oh
2: god we might have to do like part two uh, we'll i don't know l- how many there were we we'll try
0: to we we'll try to bang them out yeah um i just wanted to maybe it's like answers have to be less than 30 seconds <laughs> 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 maybe just touch on first uh first of all what are i guess some of the more common or i guess common things that you're seeing with your clients or common things that you're working on or helping people with mm. um and then we can maybe talk about what those things are so like for example i don't Endometriosis is probably a big one, but then like people probably don't know what that is to Mm -hmm. a degree. Um, So yeah, what are some of the, I guess, more common things you do?
1: Yeah, the most common things I see in clinic are endo, um, chronic pelvic pain um, and PCOS and then um, a lot of just other chronic pain syndromes like fibromyalgia and also chronic fatigue syndrome is another big one.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. so... I guess uh, we could just give a brief, maybe, rundown of each of those things to yep. a degree. Yeah. Because, um, like you said, I guess there's a lot of people like it's I feel like with endo and stuff like that, mm. like you so said, people aren't even aware of all the symptoms and, and that they might not even know that they have it or they're suffering with it and that sort of thing. So, maybe we could just shine uh, just a quick light on a few of those.
1: Yeah, sure. So, endo endometriosis is where the lining of the uterus grows outside of the uterus. Uh, That can be found anywhere in the body. So I've had clients where they've had endo lesions on the brain, up in the diaphragm, down the leg. um, And every time the woman cycles, those lesions respond to the change in hormones, which causes inflammation and huge amounts of pain. Did um, not know that. No, <laughs> I really yeah. did not think that's what it was. Yeah, I thought it I was just realize.
2: the it grew on the outside of the. Uterus. Well, I thought it was yeah, was it more uterus pelvic yeah. region. That's all that I thought it was. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. No, yeah. So it creates huge adhesions, um, like it can stick the bow to the back of um, the spine, all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's pretty debilitating. Um, PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome is where um, we see what they call cysts on the ovaries. Um, a lot of people think that they are true cysts, but they're not the same as ovarian cysts. They're actually immature follicles. So the um, the egg hasn't matured enough to be released in ovulation. So it sits on the ovary and appears like a cyst. Um, that woman usually has higher testosterone levels and higher um, blood glucose levels or what we call insulin resistance and then chronic pelvic pain can be a result of endometriosis Um, i see a lot of women with what we call hypertonic pelvic floor muscles Um, so the pelvic floor muscles are really bound up really tight really overactive Mm -hmm. and that causes a lot of pain and a lot of different issues just within their life Um, another big thing i see that i forgot to mention is like pelvic floor dysfunction so incontinence and Mm -hmm. prolapse um so incontinence whether that's bladder or bowel, so leakage, just what we call stress urinary incontinence. So if someone's lifting, coughing, laughing, jumping, um, prolapse is where the pelvic organs kind of start to come down through the vagina. Um, And then chronic fatigue syndrome is pretty self-explanatory. So someone's just getting that chronic amount of fatigue even after rest. And fibromyalgia is a widespread chronic pain syndrome that the pain doesn't go away. They're not sure of the cause of that but people are usually in extreme pain very sensitive to touch um and other sensory input as well
0: yeah so those are not i know not all of them but they mostly are related to women those specific yes. things um fuck we've got it good yeah <laughs> that's, that's yes you do <laughs> um not only with your health
1: yeah.
0: um yeah <laughs> yeah literally oh, wow. we went
2: camping on the weekend it was <laughs> even like going to the bathroom like Charlotte and I were like we had to go to the drop toilets or whatever oh. and like they're full like if there was a bit of a line because obviously long weekend they get busy so like Char's lining up and I'm just like I'll just go out the back and just like just that in general I'm like far out it's yeah. so handy to I don't be know, yeah.
0: always grateful yeah. yeah um, I've got <laughs> I need Brody to listen to so this yeah one. I've got a couple of um questions from listeners uh around endo specifically i just wanted to touch on that because like will and i was just saying i didn't realize it was um so whole body but is it always going to result in pelvic pain though or
1: no not not always um majority of clients that I see, yes. And that could just be because they are getting pelvic pain. So they come and see me. Um, But no, if it is well-managed, not all the time, there are different severities or different grades of endometriosis. Um, But the severity or the grade of endo doesn't always equal the severity of symptoms. So someone could have um, like the worst case of endo but get zero symptoms or someone could have a very low grade endo and get all of the symptoms. Um, It just depends on other lifestyle factors as well. Sometimes how old they are, what their um, parents, or what their mum's menstrual cycle was like, what treatment they're getting, um, how their exercise routine is, um, s- how well they're managing their stress outside.
0: Yeah, I know um, obviously it is such like a broad topic. Like, he's, like there isn't just a do this and it's all good or like, you know, this is how we fix it or this is how we reduce like, because there's so much to it. Um, But I guess one of the sort of main questions we had, well, it was basically just anything endo exercise related. So talking about like the, um, well, exercising with endo or like how to manage that, because I think one thing that we see is like sometimes people are just in so much pain where they can't do any form of exercise. So how would you sort of like recommend people work with that or facilitate exercise having endometriosis obviously like you said like there's different levels of it but if you could give maybe a little bit of an overview
1: Mm. yes so if we base it off the research a lot of the research shows girls with endo are best to avoid high intensity exercise and uh, things like plyometrics so anything like burpees box jumps um, running all of that sprinting all of that kind of stuff and that's generally because of the impact that it places on the body Um, and the stress hormones that are released during high intensity exercise will make their symptoms worse and that's again not to say everyone but that is in general what makes the symptoms worse. Um, If they're in a lot of pain it is best to just listen to your body Um, generally when they're in pain they're bleeding if they're not on some form of contraception that also stops the menstrual cycle so it might just be a matter of trying to get out and walk and sometimes just going for a walk is enough or it can be hard to even fathom getting up out of bed because they're doubled over in pain Um, so it is it's a hard question to answer um I definitely recommend if you are a person who is riddled in pain and can't get out of bed has to take time off work or school to see someone to help with that because there are ways that we can try and manage the pain when it is debilitating and a lot of that has to do with like pel- pelvic muscles spasming um, with what we call pain bracing mechanisms so when you think about like a typical pain bracing uh, posture it is that kind of rolled up mm. in a ball um, and then generally people get tight anteriorly or or through the front of their body and um weak through the back of their body so kind of like evening those things out in a way that will help them giving management tools that you can use depending how bad the pain is and then um in terms of just general exercise prescription it is what works with you so again the, the research shows to avoid those high intensity exercises but i know a lot of girls with endo who can actually handle that and that may be at different times in their cycle different times throughout the month that they can handle that more but it is a matter of also managing other lifestyle factors mm. to support what exercise you're doing
0: and what are some of the current treatment options available for endo mm.
1: good question um a lot of it is hormone suppression. So, whether that's an oral contraceptive pill, is usually the biggest one um, IUD, the marina, um, or the bar, just to stop the cycle completely. Yeah, That's generally like a, a band aid.
0: All right. So, yeah. So, my, oh, uh, that was going to be a question later on, but I'm to sure mm. jump into that now, like around contraception and mm. your thoughts on that and those different methods. Because um, it didn't sound like you necessarily loved that approach
1: yeah so again um this is not personal professional advice it's just my opinion Mm -hmm. um i am not a fan of the oral contraceptive pill or any form of hormonal contraception um there's been a lot more research now showing the side effects of hormonal contraception a lot of it has to do with depression and anxiety um and it's a very systemic approach so when you take something like the pill or have the bar it's a huge influx of hormones that are just Mm. sent through the entire body and it's pretty obvious as to why that would start to affect the brain because you know our whole body has estrogen and progesterone receptors and of course it's going to cause side effects
2: because you're sending artificial hormones through the body essentially and they're huge
1: doses huge doses um it shuts down a lot of the like um, axis through our body so like um, the HPA axis HPO axis and it just it it pretty much flatlines our hormones um, a lot of the time it's used as a band-aid so if a woman goes in and says you know I've endo, I have painful periods or even if she doesn't have endo you know my cycles are funny I'm getting bad skin you know anything like that the general kind of rule of thumb is that she will be put on some form of hormonal contraception I am a big uh, supporter of tracking your cycle and then that gives us a lot more information about what might be happening at different times in the cycle and then we can start to treat that so that's another thing that I actually work with is girls coming off the pill um, and also education on how to track the menstrual cycle through things like basal body temperature um, how to track ovulation so if I'm working with someone with PCOS we have a look at is she ovulating when is she ovulating because generally PCOS Girls have cycles from anywhere between 20 to like 60 days um, and we don't actually know whether they're ovulating, which is especially an issue if she's trying to conceive. Mm. So I would definitely recommend tracking the menstrual cycle can only be done if you're not on hormonal contraception um, and having a look at other ways to manage symptoms that are not um, used through hormonal suppression because as soon as you come off that, the symptoms will come back. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that's specifically related to endo mm-hmm. in itself as like a, you know, treatment. Um, what about the cycle in general? We go into that in a little bit more detail and... That. We spoke
2: about this ages ago. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much explained it all to you.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> what, what was that, an Instagram <laughs> video? Yeah, well, can we just,
0: maybe, maybe we'll just go into detail about it, Will. just tell yeah. <laughs> <they> Kiara. <laughs> when you're talking
1: about the seasons. Yeah, and the yeah. All
0: <laughs> I
2: know is you've got the seasons and that's pretty much about it. It's like <laughs> summer, winter, spring <laughs> oh and <my>. autumn. Okay. <laughs> and then that's kind of the go. And I remember like, yeah, talking to Kiara about it. She was like, oh, yeah, like it's interesting, interesting video. I was like, <laughs> uh, um so
3: Before we go into that, I just wanted to go back to because um, we spoke about this as well literally a few weeks ago about how the first line of treatment is hormonal suppressant. I suppose in that situation for a woman like you know it's frustrating because if people don't want to go on you know hormonal treatment, then they feel like they have no other option. What would sort of be I guess then? an option like I know obviously coming to see an exercise physiologist but then what would your I guess next point of contact be like would you go try and see like a gynecologist or like what would be your recommendations after that point if that makes sense
1: yeah doctor shop so don't get stuck with one doctor always seek a second opinion and I think that's becoming (laughs) I
2: thought that was a like dead set (laughs) business like doctor shop I was (laughs) like oh sick like what's this
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, um, yeah, just (laughs) trying a few different GPs, um, someone that will listen to you, generally a female. Um, Gynies, yes, if you feel like you need to, obviously they're going to be more expensive. Um, And even then, like not all Gynies will listen. A lot of them will still want to put you on hormonal contraception, but you've got to stick to your guns.
0: Yeah, get like you said, just getting two, three, four different opinions and that's like, doctor like even that relates to other fields like physio whatever it is um because of
2: people just don't do it though because it's so much effort to actually but you're
0: also like assuming oh yeah all the advice should be the same you know they're a professional i remember tony robbins had a story about how he's got like a tumor in his head like a big that's why yeah i've heard this yeah and he the first doctor said surgery or something um the second doctor was going to put him on this special new medicine and then the third doctor said it's fine. Leave it. Like the other yeah. two doctors said, if you don't treat it, you're going to die. Yeah. And the third one said, it's fine. It's fine. For like 40 years. Or yeah. Something. And like yeah. the, I think the surgery, someone else had it and they died mm. the pill and everyone on that one ended up having cancer. And mm. then he just left it. So it's like, it's pretty valid getting opinion. Yeah. Um,
3: I think it's just frustrating though. I suppose coming from a woman's point of view too, because like they, that's the first point of, you know, um, treatment for that. When, it's like Kiara said, like, it's just a Band-Aid. Like, yeah. it's not something that's going to actually fix the problem. Whereas women want to fix the problem and you're going to all these people. Like, I've had some of my clients even have these problems and the first thing is the pill, you yeah. know?
0: I'd definitely say what one of the biggest issues is because there's just a lack of research yeah. in that area. Um, and like you said, there is obviously a lot more funding going into it. I've seen a lot more initiatives around it, but it still definitely takes a lot of time. Um, yeah, I guess it's probably why it's good to mm. have chats like this to just sa- share some education. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just rounding back to the cycle in general, um, definitely want to talk a little bit about that and its impact on training, nutrition, all that sort of stuff. But just quickly wanted to touch on more so in this field, uh, we see especially like either fitness-based or from a nutrition perspective as well, a lot of females who maybe aren't getting their cycle and they might not be on any form of contraception is us just going to talk about like how i guess the importance of your cycle and that sort of stuff and how much of an issue that is and yeah any recommendations you have there
1: yeah that can be a huge issue um, and it has a lot of underlying i guess um, concerns and nuances with it if you're not getting your cycle that is a major health concern um our menstrual cycle is extremely protective over our bones because of um, estrogen and estrogen is also cardioprotective um it is obviously very important for fertility so you will not be able to fall pregnant if you're not cycling if you're not ovulating um it's so if you lose your menstrual cycle it's generally due to a few different factors um Usually, physical stress is a huge one. So, someone who's overtraining um, or may have a, a super physical job and is also under eating, so going into low energy availability, um, as well as psychological stress. So, stress from work, um, you know, maybe stress with kids, any type of psychological stress. And those three coupled together, so physical stress, psychological stress, and under eating. Um, they are the perfect storm to lose a menstrual cycle. The body will shut down our reproductive organs in favour to just keep the rest of our systems running.
0: Mm. So it's
1: really important. Because it
0: requires a lot of energy. Heaps of energy. For that to occur. Mm. Um, And yeah, so I think that's probably one of the most common things that I've seen, you know, over the last six, seven years doing this is females who are training quite a lot or uh constantly in like a calorie deficit Mm. or both typically tends to be a combination of both um and i think again it's just sort of their like very common thing they lose their cycle but they're probably just not educated around like why that's such a big deal Mm. and they're sort of brushing it off like it's like oh it's okay Mm. like i'll get it back eventually or like you know who cares like almost like it's not that much of an issue a lot
1: of people think it's convenient
0: yeah Mm. um so, I really just wanted to highlight the importance of, you know, why that is an issue. Um, what are some things you can maybe do then if you are in that situation?
1: If you have lost your menstrual yeah. cycle? Yep. Generally, um, it is what we call hypothalamic amenorrhea or HA. Um, yeah, and I na- knew that,
0: yeah, yeah. but I wanted you to say it. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> you want me to say the big word? <laughs> um, you can't yeah.
2: even say it right now if you try Yeah,
0: hypothalamic <laughs> <laughs> What is it? Say it again.
1: Hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, So that's usually diagnosed through a process of exclusion Um, and that's a whole other kind of issue. But the the main things to do are to increase energy intake and decrease energy output. So whether that is decreasing high-intensity training, which is generally the biggest issue because of the amount of cortisol that is released when we train at a high-intensity, Um, and then also making sure that you don't train fasted, um, that you shoot calories up quite a bit and carbohydrates are so important because that's the building blocks of our hormones.
0: Yeah. Look, these like, this is obviously great advice, but I just know because that's the advice that I try to offer Mm. to people in these situations. And if I'm sitting here, yeah, again, like, you know, just because I've seen this so much, but Um, I'm a girl who psychologically doesn't want to do weights because it's going to make me bulky and I'm trying to avoid carbs because, again, I'm going to get fat or it's going to make me bulky. Um, So, I know that in order to be as skinny as possible, I should do as much cardio as possible and I should eat as little as possible. Um, That advice is basically... You, again, we're sort of contradicting what these people have maybe been brought up on and whether that's because of what they've been told when they were younger or TikTok or whatever it is. Um, you know, they should be doing as much cardio as possible and eating as little as possible when you're basically saying the opposite of that, do lower intensity exercise, maybe probably less exercise in general and eat and nourish your body. Probably yeah. the
2: hardest thing would be to start with be like changing the belief system that they have. Yes, and that's, yeah. that's yeah. sort of it. the
0: point that I'm trying to mm. make. And again, like probably why having Kiara on, like, because, you know, Will and I can say it on an episode and people probably take it with two cents. Again, just having another expert on. Mm -hmm. um, But I guess, like, you've probably seen this, like, you've had a lot of experience with it and you've seen, like, what works and the impact that it can have. And so it's just, like, I guess, hopefully people listening understand that advice that works Mm -hmm. um, and that doing those things, again, it's just, like, debunking myths that doing the low-intensity exercise, doing the strength stuff not going to make you bulky, um, doing or eating a little bit more carbs isn't going to make you gain extra, extra fat or whatever it is. So I think it's just like, it was just a really important part to touch on.
1: Yeah, it's, I think, like you said, well, there's a lot of underlying issues with that. That's a very surface level explanation of it. I think um, like I could probably do a whole another episode on something like this, but... Um, I was
2: thinking like... Do you know The Imperfects? Mm. I was thinking about this the other like, This is a real random tangent, but yeah. I think, <laughs> like, worth touching on. Like, The Imperfects podcast, they've got... Um, psycho- have you ever listened to one of them? No. No. Um, so, they've got, like, a psychologist that comes on. Emily. I'm sure you do. Emily. And so, she talks every, like i think like five episodes or so she comes on i was thinking like god to be handy to have <laughs> coming on over <laughs> like five episodes to run over a few bits and bobs yeah, I
0: know. we are definitely like brushing over topics in this podcast just to keep it time poor but if every mm-hmm. if obviously if anyone listening wants more info on them then we can like maybe talk about one topic in particular in an episode or whatever yeah um but yeah where were we yeah i was Sorry. just saying
1: like what we were saying there's a lot of underlying issues with that so um you know the fear of weight gain or the strong beliefs of um you know how much cardio people should be doing and then there comes into play a huge amount of eating disorders and disordered eating and that's not something that you can just tell someone to snap out of um so it's a huge it's a lot of psychological work i think Mm. uh, very much easier said than done yeah
0: like Mm. we all said the belief systems like it's like even even when you know something so like I'm, i'm sure people listening to this who are maybe in that situation will be like yeah i know that but i still don't want to believe yeah. it yes to a degree as well uh which is which is tough so yeah maybe we need to get a psychologist on as well and mm. go into yeah. that a little bit more um so maybe
2: back to the cycles yeah so so
0: the first question we sort of had here around that was um how do hormones change throughout a female cycle and how does this impact their strength their nutritional needs their energy levels um i guess in general
1: yeah great question that's also something that i get asked a lot um so if we look at an overview just simply of the menstrual cycle um day one is the first day we bleed generally our hormones sit quite low so we will just have a look at estrogen and progesterone the three main drivers at the moment so estrogen and progesterone sit quite low while we're bleeding um generally a healthy bleed is between three and five days um that can give or take a few days um and then as the bleed ends, we enter what we call the follicular phase, so the uterine lining starts to build. Oestrogen slowly starts to rise until it hits a peak at to what we call ovulation. So that's where the mature egg is released and that's when we're at our most fertile. So a lot of people actually think that they can get pregnant at any time of their cycle, which is untrue. It needs to be around a window of ovulation.
2: Does it change from female to female? Like... As in, let's say, Obviously. I don't know, like you and T, like, let's just use an example. Yeah. Like, can T, does she have a wider window potentially where she could fall pregnant compared to someone like you who might only have like a three-day window? Mm. Or is it like it's pretty um, consistent throughout all females? Like, no, nah, it's three days is what you mm. can fall pregnant.
1: No, nah, it's, it's pretty standard. The like both mine and t cycle might differ um the length length Uh, and when we ovulate um but generally the ovulation window is how long that egg is um fertile and stays there and also the um, sperm survival rate okay too um so yeah once we hit ovulation that's when estrogen peaks and then once ovulation um, has happened, oestrogen starts to drop and progesterone takes over. So it's kind of like this nice, there should be a really nice ratio, which is important. If the ratio is a bit skew if that's when we start to see different signs and symptoms through a menstrual cycle. Um, a normal menstrual cycle is anywhere between about 21 to 35 days. So that's quite a wide range and it would differ depending on the woman. Any shorter or any longer than that is probably means to be checked out. Um, in terms of training and how to train with the menstrual cycle, I think this is a big thing that's sold in the wellness industry. Yeah, um, I see a lot of this. It's yep. just people harp on about it and they give it a lot of... Um, I, I think they, they tend to put a lot of emphasis on things that probably don't need emphasis on. Mm. Um, It really depends on the person. Mm. So, for example, me, I don't have any... I don't change throughout my menstrual cycle. It doesn't bother my training. Um, Whereas other women might find it a different, might have a different experience. Generally, we see we're more fatigue or stress resistant in the follicular phase. So in the phase before ovulation and ovulation maybe is our most energetic time. Um, And then through the second half of the cycle and just before the bleed, energy levels or stress and fatigue resistance may drop. So you might find that you fatigue quicker. And then same thing through the bleed. But the research is not strong on either end and pretty much um, the leading researcher on this, she says that you can hit pbs at any time in your cycle it really just depends on the person
2: so it kind of come down back to like how you're saying tracking your period Mm, and like well well, it's your cycle Mm. um like tracking your cycle and then that way you can kind of make you can personalize it to yourself like like, yeah like i'm feeling like shit. i'm feeling very low energy like on these three days and that's like and it's consistently in this part of my cycle like maybe i won't train those days ago for PBs, then, yes. but then yeah. another girl might be like, "I'm fucking feeling great." Yeah, like you said, exactly. you get
0: a lot of people on social media who are pushing like, "Yeah, first week of your cycle, you should up your calories by 500," and yeah. and that's mm. when you're going to be stronger. Or like, it's mm. it's so individual. Yeah, and that, yeah, so like the advice that I've always offered to people who are either training or when it comes to weight loss, like if I'm working with them specifically with nutrition, is yeah, like what Will just said there is just like the best thing to do is just track it based on you yeah and like you know base week one of your cycle this month to to last month and and then like how were you feeling like what was your weight like then like yeah maybe mm. your weight's gonna differ in two weeks time you know different stage of the cycle or whatever but like don't like I can't give a broad recommendation like this is what to do like it, it is quite individual and I think yeah that's something which is definitely uh yeah probably not publicized like like you said people just yeah. try to
1: yeah, they try and make money off it. Yeah, yeah. true. That yeah. makes
2: sense because if you've got a need there and you market mm, yeah. it as like, oh, well, you know. Like and
3: people believe that too, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. If you start using big words and yeah. start saying things, even just like estrogen and progesterone, people are like, whoa, they know what they're talking yeah. about. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like <laughs> i said before, like, i got no <laughs> <what that> <laughs> um, <laughs> This sort of ties in with one of the other questions, but you were saying about how um, when between the ovulation and luteal phase how there's a nice decrease in estrogen Mm. increase in progesterone with um one of the questions we had was like pms symptoms like Mm. are they like should people be experiencing like severe ones you know things like that could that be i guess because that decrease and increase is not as nice as what it should be Mm. or yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah definitely so like i was saying before like with the ratio as estrogen drops and progesterone rises um in that progesterone uh dominant phase is generally where people will start to get pms symptoms um pms symptoms are common uh, but they shouldn't be normalized especially things like painful periods um heavy mood swings all of that kind of stuff if you're getting anything like that then that really should be investigated um yes the ratio has a a lot to do with that so for example if um, our body is not metabolizing estrogen that can cause things like really sore breasts really heavy periods um if the ratio if the if we don't have a normal amount of progesterone that can also cause issues things like anxiety um and depression usually are the the biggest symptoms that we see when that's an issue but it's definitely worth being checked out if any type of PMS symptoms are bothering you. Yeah, and
0: yep. obviously, again, it's probably hard to... because there's so many different factors, but let's say you are having some PMS symptoms which are... that stand out quite mm. a bit. Are there maybe like a few common denominators to, to causes as like mm. like stress again maybe overtraining undertraining like are there a, a few key ones which could be uh, or i guess key indicators
1: yeah um an interesting fact on that is it actually depends the period you have now actually depends on what you were doing 3 months ago i
3: remember you said this to me right. a few de- a few weeks ago and i was like yep.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, exactly and um it kind of helps you yeah. like That's in in though. retrospect yeah because the egg takes about 3 months to mature before it's released so whatever health, whatever our health or lifestyle looked like three months ago will impact the quality mm. of that egg. And again, that's really important for fertility. And if someone's trying to conceive is to not just act on it now. Oh, I'm going to get pregnant within or I'm going to try within this cycle. Like yeah. you need to be aware of what you were doing three months before. Um, so, yeah, like that's it's why
0: everyone who does dry July come september (laughs) absolutely healthy it's the best cycle of the year
1: um but yeah on that alcohol big one um any anything that is causes a lot of inflammation so things like alcohol excessive caffeine intake lack of sleep high stress Mm. they're the biggest ones Mm. um
0: that's actually just really good point though because like i feel like so many people would be having maybe issues and then be like but no, I've been really good this yes. week. Like Everything's been perfect. Yeah. It's like, oh, actually three months ago, like yeah. fuck, I, I changed jobs or like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I was partying every weekend, yeah. whatever it is. So yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, they would be the biggest things that have an effect. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. Um, wanted to touch on uh, pregnancy a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I guess maybe we can talk about the pelvic floor a little bit too um we were definitely just talking about something and i wanted to bring a question up regarding pregnancy but it completely slipped my mind (laughs) um but maybe first we could just talk a little bit about um the pelvic floor and i guess look some of the questions that i got sent in here were uh how to strengthen a weak pelvic floor first um and then i guess maybe we could maybe start there um i guess some of the most common things you see arise with the pelvic floor um And then yeah, maybe we can just roll from there.
1: Yeah, Um, definitely worth seeking individual help with this because we find that approximately half of women trying to do pelvic floor exercises alone are doing them incorrectly. Um, So it's really, really important to get someone to watch over you doing them and prescribe. Um, It's almost like uh, a normal training program. Like if you're trying to, I don't know, deadlift heavier, like you wanna apply different principles of training same thing to the pelvic floor it's a muscle we just it's not as obvious as a leg or an arm um but Mm, you can't see it you can't be
2: like uh you're
1: doing that wrong yeah exactly Yeah. yeah exactly right so um yeah, a, a lot of the time, Kegels is the one, is a word that a lot <laughs> of people throw around.
0: Right like, <laughs> no, <it's> not, like, <laughs> it was common. Joined, yeah. yeah, like people they will be oh, listening, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's
2: reasonable. That's, that's that's then you got like, these yeah. two experts over here. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, no, I was just <laughs> like, like <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, am do I doing this right? It's like, fuck, can't
1: tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's the problem. Um, yeah, so I always say to women, like, Kegels are all well and good. So generally they're done either sitting on a chair, standing up or lying on your back, right? It's it's all well and good that you can do that. But when women experience incontinence or prolapse symptoms is not when they're lying on their back generally, it is when they're doing something. So whether they're at the gym, whether they're picking a kid up, whether they are lifting something, whether laughing, coughing, jumping, sneezing, bending. Um, so just lying on your back doing Kegels is not gonna help If you just do that alone, how I program someone's pelvic floor um, treatment or pelvic floor strengthening is yes, starting them on their back, but then starting to apply pelvic pelvic floor strengthening exercises into different positions using gravity. Um, We also work with what we call intra-abdominal pressure. So the Mm -hmm. pressure inside the abdomen. Things like exhaling with efforts um, and avoiding things that are not pelvic floor friendly. Um, A big uh, example for probably the more fit individual or someone who is a gym goal is lifting belts. Um, They can be used incorrectly or for the wrong person. Um, so pressure management is a huge one, even things through like posture, um, having a look at hip strength because a lot of the hip muscles are in very close proximity to the pelvic floor muscles. And then also things like we can use recovery positions if it's a prolapse issue. So it's a very, I know that's a broad answer. Um, but it's really important to not just stick to Kegels in one position. They should be progressed. What is
2: just for people listening as well. What is Kegels?
1: Oh, good question mm-hmm. um it's pretty much a pelvic floor contraction yeah so just trying to squeeze the muscles maybe, around maybe yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah um yeah so i guess I, a good way to explain it is i the way i usually cure pelvic floor contraction is imagining stopping the flow of urine and wind and you should feel that through the muscles of the vagina and the anus. A lot of people think it's just one or the other. Um, and it's very common for people to feel stronger through either one or the other. And the relaxation phase is just as important as the contraction phase. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit more intricate than people think. Um, and I think Kegels is the the word that is thrown around a lot. Um, and it's just, I think, oh probably oversimplified yeah. a lot of the time. S-
3: story about... Uh, well after I had Maya, I remember there wasn't really any help with my pelvic floor after. It was very much, I'll just do, they gave me a piece of paper Um It ended up being uh, I didn't really have much issues with my pelvic floor anyway, but I um, know that yeah, after I had Maya, they basically just gave me a piece of paper on how to do a Kegel, and I was like, okay. These days, and it's not like you know, women like um, you know that have that are having issues with their pelvic floor. Say they're three, that's the third kid, or they've had you know twins or something, and their pelvic floor is really weak, like. That piece of paper is not going to do anything no. yeah. for them. Why well right, so care post baby
0: to yeah. lead into that question? I wanted to bring up one of the m- biggest misconceptions that I see is I think people thinking that they only need to worry about pelvic floor once they've had kids, yeah, and that's probably again like a, a big misconception is like you can have a weak pelvic floor pre kids. Mm. So, my question is A, um, when should you be starting to consider pelvic floor, and B. What are like? What are some of the common issues? Because it's not just necessarily a weak pelvic floor. Because before you also mentioned having maybe an overactive or yeah. or uh, tight, over like th- hypertonic hypertonic yep. pelvic floor. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, um, so generally people only focus on it, like you said, when pregnancy comes into the picture. Um, pre-pregnancy is a really good time to um, to get onto that because we know that prevention is better than cure. Um, so if we're talking about risk factors um, generally like obesity is a risk factor just because of the amount of pressure that's put downward on the pelvic floor any chronic coughing so people with pulmonary conditions um or smokers um any heavy lifting so if someone has a job and they're just lifting they have a really poor lifting technique or um you know they're not breathing correctly they are also um, risk factors for any pelvic floor dysfunction such as incontinence or prolapse Mm. um and yes hypertonic or overactive pelvic floor muscles are also um A reason someone may have incontinence Which a lot of people wouldn't actually think Because they think, oh, the pelvic floor muscles are tight That must mean that everything's kind of well held in Um, And this is actually one of the biggest issues I see Is women will present with incontinence Who have never had a child Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I had a girl the other week who was my age and she was getting incontinence and she was very confused as to why. And I assessed her and her pelvic floor muscles were overactive. She had no idea. Mm. Um, and the best way that I describe that to people is, you know, that it's a muscle it needs to be able to work through its full range of motion. So, you know, if it's always, I guess, half switched on like a bicep muscle, you yeah. know, if our, if our arm was always half flexed, Firstly, it would get sore, and secondly, the the movement quality is not there. It's not able to fully contract or fully relax, which is why they're getting those incontinence issues because it's not its range of motion is so small that it's just not going to be able to uh, to function properly in a healthy way. Um, So definitely getting assessed as to what the reason for the incontinence is and to be aware of um, things like just gripping through pelvic floor a lot of people you know when they're stressed they tend to breathe through the chest so shallow breathing and we know that the diaphragm has a huge impact on the pelvic floor too Um, as well as women tend to grip through pelvic floor a lot especially if they're getting pelvic pain so they're sitting there stressed whether they're either stress for work or they're just not focusing on what they're doing gripping through pelvic floor um, clenching the jaw and breathing yeah. very shallow
3: I was actually about to ask is can stress cause uh, like mm-hmm. hyperactive pelvic floor yeah yep. yeah
1: yes for sure and again a lot of the women that I see who have a hypertonic pelvic floor they don't realize how much of an impact their stress has yeah. to play and you know part of their treatment plan might actually be okay we're gonna set a reminder on your phone for every every half an hour at work the reminder will go off and you need to s- relax your pelvic floor you need to be aware of gripping through pelvic floor that you're contracting all of those muscles mm. relax them take a few deep breaths and then continue on with your work and check in again in another half an hour
0: yeah yeah and now how can um i don't know, like we'll s- jump onto pregnancy but can having a, a hyperactive pelvic floor impact the pregnancy as well like when giving birth
1: yeah. Uh, yes. So, if the muscle can't relax, it's going to make the labour much harder, yeah. um, much more prone to tearing. Yeah. Um, so again, and pain. Like,
0: I think it's just a lot of people think, okay, after I have the kid, I'll mm, worry, about, worry about my pelvic floor. Mm.
2: Basically, sort of highlight the kid, the like you know how when some pregnancies like the kid comes out with a cone head <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah. laughs> it's like type of oh, oh, you get it <laughs> 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 just goes to show like a male's brain that's <laughs> like, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. why yeah, I'm here today, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm here today but no it does make
0: sense <laughs> yeah. um, so I thought yeah maybe we could uh, touch on pregnancy a little bit as well um, and I think as well maybe a good starting point you just said it before but like would you say prevention prevention is better than cure Yeah, which I think again is a really big one when it comes to pregnancy as well is like obviously if you can limit your risk factors pre-pregnancy increasing the chances of having a healthy pregnancy and and, you know postpartum and all that sort Mm. of stuff as well Um, so let me start with a question here actually is this true Uh, just because you said it about the eggs before but isn't it true that your, you, how, how do I word this? The quality of your eggs, or like the, it's impacted, like through your grandmother, or like like the the way it sort of passed down. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm.
1: I think I think so. Um, so yeah. the <laughs> quality of your eggs is definitely dependent on your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. So I don't know. There's definitely like I, I've length. seen a um, like a th- kind of thing going around where you know your eggs are kind of carried by your grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort I've of what that. I was. Yeah. That's what you're going from. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I'm not exactly sure about the quality. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any research based up on that. Um, that would definitely, in in my opinion, depend on your lifestyle. Um, probably unless you were carrying down some genetic issue yeah. yeah, or some genetic chronic condition that's been passed down that affects the quality of the eggs or the count of the eggs. Mm.
2: Yeah, You'd probably say like lifestyle would impact the health more so than your grandmother. Like yeah. that Quite passed down.
1: Yeah, like I, I saw this great quote and it, um, better make sure I get this right now. <sighs> um, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's, can be applied to anything. Yeah. Yeah,
3: definitely. Does the same. I mean, this Quite. might be the same thing, but like your labor, like the way your labor goes, can that be not a genetic thing, but say for example, like my mum couldn't give birth naturally and then I couldn't either? Like is that a thing or is that just maybe due to other things? Like other I other factors
1: probably could be both again yeah. it would depend on why and what it is yeah. again whether it was like a a chronic condition whether um yeah it was just by chance yeah yeah
0: I think, yeah all right um i know there's like probably a lot we could cover re pregnancy but um i guess maybe we could talk about just a little bit pre-pregnancy and then i guess maybe we could talk a little bit more about during pregnancy, like exercise and pregnancy. Um, So I guess maybe any advice you have pre-pregnancy from an exercise and just overall health standpoint?
1: Mm. Exercise, pretty much. Um, Do what you can. Um, Obviously we try and uh, recommend the, just the guidelines are 150 to 300 minutes of exercise per week, Um, muscle strengthening exercise, like resistance exercise around two to three times a week. That's just the general population guidelines. Um, reducing sedentary time. So that's basically what we recommend pre-pregnancy. But then there's also another side to that um, with the overtraining, touching back on that. If you are sh- sending your cortisol levels through the roof, it's going to impact your um, chances of getting pregnant. Yeah. So just making sure that your exercise is... Is within a healthy limit, and you are eating enough because again, your your reproductive organs are not going to like it if you you just don't have the energy availability to put into reproduction. Um, so that would be pre-pregnancy, and the also another reason I say that is because generally your When you're pregnant, the exercise recommendations are based off what you were doing before you became pregnant. So if you're a fit individual who was running, who was lifting weights, had no issues, you can continue to do that throughout your entire pregnancy. I I knew a girl, um, she was a runner, ran all the way up until she gave birth. No issues, long distance running, no issues but that's very individualized. So the thing that I wouldn't suggest is if you do no exercise or have gone for a few walks a week before you got pregnant and then you got pregnant and all of a sudden you wanted to start doing um, HIIT training or... Mm. run a marathon I probably wouldn't suggest that just because you know that's not what your body's used to yet
2: yeah. Yeah. it's an additional stress to your body as well
1: exactly Yeah, I feel like
2: your body's already stressed that it's producing a baby yep um, a good example of that would be Christy like Weber mm. like she with her training and stuff like she was training a lot before and I think she trained right up to
1: yeah pretty much even to Hayley she had as well yeah, yeah, Haley, yeah like
2: Hayley yeah. was the one so yeah. for right now yeah. yeah so
0: again like I think yeah we see it all the time but Whatever you were sort of doing before, you Just can c- sort of continue to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I definitely know that each pregnancy is different as well. So, yeah. you might have had a baby in the past and that pregnancy might have been, you know, okay. And you might have trained right up. Second pregnancy might not be the exact, like, it yep. might be completely different. So, mm. I think actually, Soph, in her last pregnancy, she had to stop quite early. But this one, she's been fine and yeah. been able to go through. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is, I guess, probably worth touching on. Um, any other, I guess, main considerations while training during pregnancy? Cause what would you kind of recommend even for,
2: I suppose, biggest one that I see is um, exercises to do and to avoid, I suppose. would mm. be like the biggest Should've ones. Like, when do you start, you know, should you start alternating your exercises as soon as you fall pregnant and being like, all right, like I'm not going to, you know, lay like, flat my stomach or something mm. like that. Or yeah. do you you know, wait it out till you're, you know, 12, 16, 18 weeks, mm-hmm. then you can start changing exercises. Mm.
1: Yeah. It, again, it depends on the woman's level of comfort pretty much. So some women show really early, others don't. Um, and yes, there's recommendations around not lying on your back after a certain um, a certain amount of weeks. But again, that it really does depend on the individual woman, like you were saying before, Josh. Um, the thing probably... In general, what I would recommend is make sure you're aware of pelvic floor because you are growing something. Your centre of mass changes um, and the downward pressures on your pelvic floor changes. You may need to lighten off your weights a little bit. Um, You may need to be aware of your pelvic floor through bigger lifts or through core-based exercises. So whether that's integrating a pelvic floor contraction into something like a plank, um, you may need to just change uh your posture in certain exercises so you might not be able to lie completely on your back you might just have to prop yourself up on a 45 degree angle
0: with um, with those things i think like again another misconception people have is a lot of the times people think it's to protect the baby but yeah the biggest thing is it's to like the baby's fine yeah the baby's yeah. gonna protect yeah. it. it's to protect the mother because yeah. your body is changing so much like you know all of a sudden you've got this massive weight out in front of you like you said posture and things like that you're at an increased risk of injury or being sore or increasing harm, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. So, like, you know, you're you're making those changes, not necessarily to protect the baby, like, to a degree, but to protect yourself Mm -hmm. and to make sure that you're comfortable and you're... Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, I think it's a misconception that people have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it covers most of those things. How about uh, Mm. postpartum? What? Mm. uh, Again, I know it's pretty individual. Again, Mm -hmm. like, we have some people... I think, like, Tia Claire Toomey, like, Mm. she had her kid. She was, like, the CrossFit Games champion. And then I think, like, six weeks later, competed in a competition again and absolutely smoked it. Um, But quite individualised again. But I guess what are some of the broad recommendations you have there?
1: Yeah. Um, Probably the biggest one is just let your body heal after you give birth because you've just done something that's huge like mm. it's, it's a lot of effort for your body to give birth to grow a baby and to give birth so um you know generally what we recommend is a few weeks after pregnancy just engaging in, in gentle low impact exercise so whether that's just going for a walk if you're happy to get in the water and it's okay for you to do so going for a little swim um Um, or just cycling on a bike if it's comfortable to sit on a bike and also making sure that you're taking care of your pelvic floor. So it might be going through a pelvic floor muscle training kind of program and then also as you then after that sorry you can just start to gradually resume what you were doing before so whether that is you start to go for a little bit longer walks that are at a higher intensity start to integrate body weight exercises again Um, you start to bring back weights and you will probably find that everything feels a bit different again because you still have hormones that are cycling through if you're breastfeeding still there are going to be hormones there um so it will change the way things feel so it's just gradually getting back into things is probably the biggest piece of advice that i could give
0: cool um I'm not sure if you guys have any other questions regarding pregnancy or because i think we've hit most of the big questions around some of the major topics. I had a couple others, um, I guess a little bit more related, just well, just personal ones for you. Uh, what sort of motivates you to get to the gym and be active every day? Because, um, yeah, you're probably three PCs, one of three PCs most consistent members. Um, you know, you rarely miss a session, even when you do your ACL, you're still here, so... <laughs> Um,
3: and doesn't do bench on
1: Wednesdays, <laughs> but still <laughs> comes.
0: So, what's your uh, yeah? What's your motivation?
2: To so, we to actually we're gonna do hopscotch on the three PC Sports Day, <laughs> but because Kiara has <laughs> been practicing for so long, unfair advantage. <laughs> 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 uh, um,
1: oh, I I just love it. Yeah. That it's probably that's not very helpful, but um, I have always loved exercise, and yeah. I think. It, for me it's a way to relax and it's also a social thing for me um so yeah I it's pretty easy yeah, yeah it's 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 not a hard so like when decision you really for love me something
3: and you're like ch- it makes yeah. you genuinely happy it's yeah. not hard to do yes yeah, yeah, like like eating chocolate you
0: know.
1: yeah yeah yeah,
3: well,
0: that's yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I mean, we we've like a few episodes we've talked around motivation for exercising then but i feel like in your profession you probably have people who aren't super motivated i'm yeah. sure you have to give people a lot of programs and exercises yeah. i'm sure their motivation to do those and you know some of those ones probably aren't that fun mm. either so how do you help with that side of things or if you have any advice for them
1: yeah um a lot of the time with the exercises that i'm prescribing they know that it's going to help them feel better mm. so if nothing else it comes down to that as well as generally i find that people are like oh what's well, a big chunk out of my day you know like i'm gonna have to do this for half an hour but i <laughs> i if they're struggling with that then i generally say you can break it up into bouts of exercise so it doesn't have to be um you know that full program all at once mm-hmm. they can break it up into you know a couple of exercises at the start of the day a couple of exercises at the end of the day or if they're looking at walking we can do three times 10 minutes um, so it's a little bit easier to integrate into the day. Um, but sometimes people just be like, I hate it. I don't want to do it. I will not do it by myself. And in that case, then um, it's obviously a little bit harder. So I, they might end up having to come in to see me every week but I always make sure that they know that their progress is not going to be the same as if they're going to be consistent which is obviously what you guys have been talking about over the all of the podcasts is consistency mm. is what makes the difference yep. so it doesn't need to be you don't need to be perfect every single day just aim for a couple of days a week Yeah, and go from there
3: if you're consistent at least 80% 80 80 of the time it's better than being perfect yeah many, yep. you know
1: What's the uh,
0: the most rewarding part about your job?
3: Hmm.
1: Probably seeing women get back to the things that they used to be able to do and that just felt so out of reach. A good example of that is I saw a, um, a girl who was very similar age to me. She had two kids and she had such issue with her pelvic floor that um, you know she could barely walk without getting any pelvic floor symptoms and we got her back to the point of being able to jump on the trampoline with our kids and that's just amazing to see people are so excited to just mm. do things like that to some of us would just be like oh yeah that's nothing it's just,
0: yeah. yeah that's an everyday yeah. task like it's, yeah. yeah that's true yep um is there a mantra or a quote that you live by dropped a couple bangers in this episode to be honest so. yeah the gun one was good yeah, That was a good one can't yeah. top that genetics
2: <laughs> load it but lifestyle fires it yeah. Is that yes. yeah yeah in
3: short yeah <laughs> what was next instagram post yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be something to do with golf instead
3: yeah.
1: um no i don't i don't wouldn't say that i have just one quote um i think probably the thing that i try and do most which is not really a quote is just make sure i stay present because i'm really good at um, just thinking about the next thing I have to do, or I feel like
2: being a business owner though, and like you are quite busy with your line of work. It's my recommendation. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But even like we were, I mean, we can kind of jump across and jump back. But I feel like even we we're talking about yesterday to do with like the lotto and it being two hundred million dollars, and I was like, I was saying to the like crew, I was like, I just, I don't think like you've got some things in life. I think like you can't buy you can buy happiness to a degree like it'll make you more comfortable but I think at the end of the day it's like a lot of things that you do it's like relationships and, and making memories with people and I feel like that's like one of the big things mm. that people kind of miss in that sense Yeah. Um, about being present yeah because I was saying when like I went to New Zealand I remember just like standing um, we're in the middle of a golf course I think I've said it before but like I was standing in the middle of it and I was just like fuck you could give me a billion dollars right now and I'd still want to be just here like i wouldn't want to be anywhere else i feel like um like yeah it's massive like being present but i feel back to your point it's so easy to get caught up in like oh what have i got to do tomorrow like what have we got to do today um even josh and i talking about before like what the go is with like three pillar in the next kind of 18 months 24 months it's like you can get so caught up about that Mm. that you do forget you know to think about what you've kind of got to and you're living like circumstantial for today. In yep. a sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other big thing with that as well, that, that I quite like to remember is, you know, there's, there is time between a stimulus and a response. So if, you know, a really simple example is someone asking you a question or someone making you angry or frustrated or something like that. If you just take a second or two in between right, yeah. your response, yeah, it can change your whole day. And you know, that, is that can be applied to anything throughout your day. Like mm. if you just take a second in between how you respond or how, what your next move is, it can just create those little bits yeah. of presence mm. throughout your day.
0: It does. And you can changer,
2: think as one. well that mm. like you taking time to reply is so long. Like mm. say someone poses you a question, you, mm. like, you think about it for let's say three seconds. In your head, you could be thinking like, fuck, they must be thinking like god he's taking his time to reply (laughs) but really you they're not thinking about that at all like they're just waiting for you to respond yeah and i think like in your own brain you think you're talking so much faster so you think you're talking so much slower than what you actually are Mm. and like if you do slow down it does make yeah make it a lot easier to understand and like even just for yeah things to flow
1: yep
0: cool um well if there's no more key questions, we can get into recommendations for this week. But just was going to touch yeah. on, we
2: got one question here
0: and I just don't know if it was personalized to someone. I might have skipped a couple, I don't know. No, nah, it
2: was just, um, 66 year old female losing strength. Should I find a gym or a trainer to help?
0: Uh, I had that one asked to me.
2: Um, so I just thought just because they might listen to
0: this and it's mm. like for them specifically. Yeah. I mean like. What's, what's your, well, maybe before you answer that, mm. what's your demographic i know you probably see a range but mm-hmm. what's sort of like the main demographic? guessing women yep <laughs> 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 um, 20 yeah. to 30.
1: probably age group would be 20 to 40
0: yeah okay. cool. mm. yeah um well s- 66 year old female losing strength what would you say like because i think again that's probably pretty common we've had a few people sort of come into the gym this year like They pop in they go oh yeah but i'm a bit old or whatever um you sort of advice there for someone 40 and above Mm. who is losing strength what can they do about that Mm. or you know not as healthy as what they once were
1: lift heavy yeah that is the biggest piece of advice that I give any woman, especially through menopause, obviously there needs to be a progression, like progressive overload, but lifting heavy for a low amount of reps is so good for women, um, especially bone strength, hormonal, everything. So if you feel like you're losing strength, just start lifting, obviously under supervision, if you need it, if you haven't done it before. Um, But that is the biggest piece of advice that I give.
0: I think as well, I heard this someone say this the other day, which was a good point, but like, because sometimes we can get caught in that traffic and like, oh, like lift heavy, you know, like it's strength training is great for you. But that doesn't necessarily have to mean like a 100-kilo deadlift. No. Like no. that can be a bodyweight squat for yeah. some people. Like you said, progression and regression. Like doing s- someone doing some push-ups and squats is a really – that's resistance training, that's strength training. Um, and then, you know, yeah, if obviously over time, if you can slowly try to progress that. But if it is as simple as like doing a bodyweight squat or a push-up or whatever it is, that can be a really good starting point and then just working from there
1: yeah like heavy means something different to everyone
0: yeah
1: um so yeah just starting like you said with body weight squat going up from there seeking help if you need it guidance a couple of times if you need it depending on what you what your underlying like if you have any underlying chronic conditions or worries
0: i um someone did send in the question as well just for us for future episodes I said if we could discuss more about vitamins so, so if they're listening mm. I'll bring that up and we'll make sure we bring that up in a future episode but uh, yeah recommendations what have you guys been what do you guys got for us we've got four recommendations this week so does anyone want to kick us off I'll kick us off because you guys actually touched on it before it's kind of ruined it but um, so <laughs> the last few episodes I like, talked a lot about like meditation and stuff but uh, <laughs> You've spoken about this every I episode. I like this here, like this is like well, It is my goal. So like, <laughs> the best thing was the other was It like, was like seven <laughs> days into his meditation. He's like, like, I've nailed it. I've nailed it. <laughs> 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 no, so um, you, you guys touched on about being present. So yesterday, like I went for a walk instead. And I, I've talked about this on an old podcast we did ages ago. And I did it in the same spot. But um, it's along the, the, the trail, linear trail and there's this spot which sort of overlooks like this wetland sort of lake area and I was just sitting down I'd call it mindfulness meditation where you're just sitting down and just being like turn your phone off just sit in there for 10 minutes and like you know listen to the birds and the trees or whatever it is like I was saying like that is my recommendation is trying to do something like that you don't have to call it meditation but just being mindful in the moment and like being present because yeah. it, it's so crazy how just your brain is so active about pre- like what's, what's coming up, what's happening or what's happened yeah. and not just like in the moment sitting yeah. there. So um, I know I've talked about it a lot this year but I've just found it to be super, super helpful. So like personally, I have a super active mind. Like I'm always just, just feels like it's never switching off. So it's like finding moments to try and switch it off to yeah. find that to be super helpful.
1: I, yeah. I find another thing on that is actually what I try and tell myself if I'm going for a walk or, um, you know, outside is just look up. Mm. So... Th- a yeah, lot of us look when we're walking, so you'll look at the floor or at the phone a lot of the time. Yeah. Just look up and look at the birds, the trees, the clouds, at the top of buildings and you will you'll, you'll realise things that you haven't seen before. Like yeah, that's a good one. the shape mm. of buildings, the shape of trees, all of that kind of stuff. It yeah, yeah it can it's a game changer, I found. So I
2: actually did that the other week and I was running. Oh no. And I was like, I've tripped, but I didn't fully oh, no. trip. <laughs> With caution. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was Look running, down hit down like down a tree root, but yeah. no, I was on, so I was on McGill Road, just like a main road, peak hour traffic, and I reckon <laughs> I was running from like me to probably that roller door, like half hunched over, trying, I don't know how <laughs> I kept my feet, but God, it was funny. Oh so anyway, God. I get it while walking, well, uh, makes sense, Yeah. Good. running, yeah.
3: Um, My recommendation was, we spoke about it before, but I just thought of another one as you were talking, um. Because a big goal for me this year has also been trying to stay present. Like I was saying to Josh and Will how like I find myself on my phone a lot like and I also have a very hyperactive brain because, you know, I'm thinking about work, thinking about Maya, thinking about, you know, 50 million things at once. So, footy. but yeah, footy especially. Um but I found that I like I've made it a goal this year to be off my phone because I sometimes will use that as like, a, I guess, a distraction from like everything going on up here. So what I've actually done is on my phone, which is sort of my recommendation, I've put settings on it. So after a certain time, I, I have to it's a, like a massive headache to like go on social media apps or things like that. Things like my messages, my calls can still come through, but everything else is switched off from, from 7 o'clock onwards. It's a real headache to like get in my phone basically and it's actually done wonders. Like mm. I found that, um, like Josh was saying, it's different scenario, but like the other week I was with Maya in the backyard and we were like, finding rocks and counting them and doing like playing silly games and things like that. And it's stuff that I haven't, well I have played with her, but I've never been present because it's like, as soon as I get a notification, mm. I'm like this, you know? So I, it was off, like we were playing and then it was like, even the next day or a couple of days later, like it was during the day and I wasn't even concerned about my phone. Like I wasn't even looking at it or even caring about it. And it made such a difference. Like, you know in our connection obviously like me and her are close but it obviously is building more of a stronger connection instead of her playing by herself and me sitting on my phone so i think like more Um, on what you were saying being more present has done wonders not only just for me to feel better but with my own relationship with my own child and i think other parents would benefit from that as well you know
0: i remember um last year when i went camping and like didn't have phone reception for like three nights I and mean, then, like, you get back, you get reception, and you're like, oh, no, there's no notifications. <laughs> it's like, oh, didn't well, yeah, matter. Like, so we
3: have, a, like, a family farm as well, and it's, like, in the middle of nowhere. There's no reception, and it's, like, first, like, couple hours, you're almost like, what if someone's messaged me, like, blah, blah, blah. But then when you come home and you barely have anything, it's like, why was I so worried about it? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if it was really important, like... They'd sure you reach you. you. They'd find a way to reach you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So Even then,
2: like I can't remember. It was in some book that I read ages ago. But he talks about <sighs> it, and it's kind of been my like philosophy around like notifications on your phone and whatever. Mm. Like God forbid, but say someone very close to me like passed away like randomly while I was out camping on the weekend. Mm. It's like you wouldn't call me straight away. Like if they were in a car accident, you're not gonna call me and be like, "Hey, Will, like you know, X and X was in mm-hmm. like a car accident." Like you'd call the firefighters or you would call yeah. the ambulance, and then like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna be able to do anything. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's kind of like that was my thought of all of that. Is like you know, if the gym was on fire and you called me, been like, "Hey, Will, the gym's on fire." I'd be like, maybe Why call, didn't you call, yeah, like <laughs> maybe call 0, first. zero instead. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um Point. But yes, that was kind of my whole, thats my whole philosophy behind it. Um, Because yeah, realistically, like you're not going to be able to do anything anyway. No. Um, My recommendation, jumping in, cutting your off was, um, so I did, I liked yours. I like that a lot. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I feel like actually touching on T's point though quickly. I like how you've got, you've made it harder for you to get into your phone Mm. rather than just setting like a four digit code you set a four digit code or something and it's just like zero 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 zero. Mm. Yeah. It's like there's no but the thing is it's
3: like even with my phone, like um I was talking about this to actually Jamie the other week. Like she was saying like when she goes on her phone, it's like her thumb already knows what to do when you're on there. So it's like it's it's already muscle memory. I listen. So it it doesn't do anything yeah, you know that.
0: someone said on a podcast yesterday that there's an app called 4m and that yeah. makes it a bit harder yeah as well and like said two good points which I thought that one is like make it realistic as well so it's like if you do it from like oh, i'm not going to use it from 4 p.m it's like no yeah you're probably going to and then yeah. that's just going to defeat the purpose and another one was which i've done is like because i sort of did that in the past and it was like not realistic so i was like using that when you swipe down an iphone you can put it on like do not disturb or work mm. mode mm. I find that's really useful too yeah. like during the day because it's like if I do pick it up I'm like oh yeah that's right it just reminds me whereas if you switch it all off then you're like oh, that's a bit of an inconvenience so yeah mm.
3: but mine's from I think I've said it from like 7pm yeah, to 5am yeah. so really even when I wake up for work in so the morning, here so I post anything at
0: 7 because I won't get a like yeah. so I'll make sure post it at just make
3: sure post at 6.59 and then I'll like it um, but mine's even you know if i'm working here in the morning you know i'm here four thirty. like my first instinct yeah, to go same. on my phone and like yeah. i was on my phone yesterday even though it was like annoying to go on all my apps but um you know like i've tried to make it realistic so like i'll tr- usually try and go to bed by 8 eight thirty, and then you know if i'm up at five or if i'm here for work obviously earlier but at least then my you know Wind down time in the morning, and when I wake up, it's not straight away bang in my face. It's like I'm being more present in those moments, mm. and it's helped me in the times that my phone isn't locked to be more present because I've set those times to be, you know, mm-hmm. my phone. Yeah. Anyway, right that's it. my recommendation.
2: Um, mine was I uh, got my bloods taken today. <laughs> um, got a blood test, and like, there's no. There's no um, reason why I should get a blood test. It was just that I thought, started this year, Charlotte and I said we'd do it every like six months, just get a blood test, get a skin check. Um, I hate needles. Like it was the biggest. Like I'd, I'm not really. I don't get wound up about pretty much anything other than like the thought of having something getting taken out of me. Um, I was saying to Josh before like.
3: You're so Girls. lucky you don't have to be pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> no, so yeah, Charles <laughs> mum and her,
2: they were telling me about it. And I was like, oh, yuck. Um, anyway, I've like walked in. She's like, oh, do you like needles? I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> she's well, like... Who would
1: say yes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's
2: like, oh, like, so you don't like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just, um you know, treat you like a little kid then. I was like, that'd be great. I was like, sick. She's like, it's just like a multi bite. <laughs> she's going to go in. Like, and I was like, I like, I hate it. Like, oh, um anyway, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'd just recommend going and getting, like, a blood checkup or something like that just to make sure that, like, everything's uh, in check, I suppose. I feel like it's just – there's no harm in doing so, Mm. if that makes sense.
3: It's not a hard thing to do. It's just people don't do it because they think it's – unless there's a problem, then they'd go get one, Mm. so.
2: But I feel like it could overlay as well into, like, I don't know, to do with, like, women's health or, like, even men's health, like, Mm. prostates and stuff like that. Mm, Yeah. Um, You know, just, like – if. Something does come up, at least then you're being more preventative rather than actually like leaving it too late and whatnot. So that'll be my recommendation. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. If we keep it within the women's health topic for me, I would recommend a podcast called Ladies We Need to Talk, uh, which has a lot of relevant and topical women's health talk on it. Uh, I think it's by the ABC network. So if anyone's looking for another good podcast to listen to, then ladies, we need to talk is a good one. Nice tie you <laughs>
2: Do you Just listen to this look. podcast at all?
1: I do. Oh, you do? I do. Oh,
2: yeah. oh.
3: Yeah. nice. You actually listen to
2: me. I actually, I did, um, <laughs> kudos to Kiara before I did send Charlotte a message before. It was like midway while you were talking. Oh. And I was like, (laughs) fuck Kiara's smart. (laughs) She's (laughs) like, was your mind blown? I was like, yeah, you have to listen. So, no. I
0: feel like people get around this episode, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully take something away. Um, Yeah, thanks for coming on, Kiara. Thanks Thanks so so much. I really appreciate it. I think maybe, yeah, maybe we'll uh, see what the feedback is. We might have to, yeah, get another rep in eventually and talk about maybe some of those topics in a little bit more detail. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, hopefully if people enjoyed it, they can, uh, yeah, Give us some feedback, send us a comment, like.
2: And then also, kiara your um clinic, so mm-hmm. call it mm-hmm. clinic is seed. Yep. Um any details about that? <laughs> Run through it. Uh
1: yeah, so um seed exercise physiology, I consult two days a week and then the other three days I lecture at Flinders Uni. So I I'm spread a little bit, um, and I'm just about to start a phd Ooh, as well so right. yeah so um a how long does that take phd's <laughs> uh, 24 to 8 years depending yeah yeah on <laughs> i
2: was gonna say it's a long <laughs> it's a long bloody be, it'll be well but um What's yes it on?
1: uh at the moment my topic is um plan to be how do women with pcos experience medical and allied health practitioners advice about exercise and i would love to expand mm. that into endo as well mm-hmm. but what do you so get with a phd
2: is it just that like you don't get a it's not like a doctor certificate after your PhD yeah, or do you you're become yeah. a doctor yeah. is that after or before after after, after uh, you yeah become you oh okay manage, so you're yeah. a doctor uh, okay cool I always wonder what the go is with that
0: mm. <laughs> there you go it's work oh cool thanks for yeah. jumping on Kiara and T and uh, yeah. yeah catch yeah. everyone in yeah. the next episode. bye